Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If I could get you this evening to turn to the book of Matthew, we're going to read a few verses there, and we're also going to read a verse in Hebrews. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now if you just flip over to chapter 6, let's go to verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Hebrews 11 and 6. Keep your finger in Matthew, we're going back. Hebrews 11 and 6. Just wait for you to get there. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And then if we go back to Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that, seek, everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. One of my children has always been very great with words. I was going to withhold names to protect the innocent, but figured that even those that have not known my family for very long will know who the guilty party is, so I decided against it. Matthew is a talker, and he could talk extremely well by the time he was two and a half. He spoke clearly and even eloquently using words with understanding and in the correct context. As a baby, he was a babbler and very vocal. But as he grew, his language skills developed and his babblings turned into words and then became sentences quite quickly. So much so that it, it, has, it seems that Matthew has always been able to talk. Matthew's language skills grew so quickly that there was never really a need to discern what he was communicating through miming or pointing or grabbing your hand to show you what it was that he wanted. Not only did he have a large vocab for someone so young, he knew how to use those words. Even at such a tender age, he understood that there are words that you could interchange that carried more weight than other words did. An example of how he did this was how he would ask for a biscuit or a piece of cake. He never came asking in the usual manner, may I please have. But he would come looking for me, and usually I would be in the kitchen, and then he would just stand there and think out loud and proclaim, I'm hungry for a biscuit, or I'm hungry for a piece of cake. It was all very dramatic. If I was to offer him something other than what he wanted, he would state it, oh, 
I'm not hungry for that. It always intrigued me that Matthew was never hungry for strawberries, although they were a very popular food item for him. And he was never hungry for bananas, although they too were a favourite. All the other food items were always asked for in the, usual, in the usual manner. May I please have? But when it came to biscuits and cake, he was always hungry for them. The word hungry is an adjective and comes from the word hunger, which is a noun. Both the adjective and the noun mean the same things, only one describes the feeling where the noun gives the feeling a name. According to the Oxford Dictionary, the word hunger is a feeling of discomfort or weakness caused by a lack of food coupled with the desire to eat. It is a severe lack of food and it's a strong desire or a craving. When Matthew told me he was hungry for a biscuit, he was not suffering from a feeling of discomfort or weakness, weakness caused by a lack of food and needed to eat. If Matthew was suffering from this kind of hunger, it would have been satisfied with anything else that was on offer. Think about when you fast. Just about everything that comes under the heading of food looks good and would satisfy that discomfort that you feel. It was not a severe lack of food that this child was suffering from. If you remember Matthew was a baby and a toddler, you would agree that he indeed never suffered from hunger. Those who suffered from hunger or a severe lack of food are usually not fussy when it comes to food. My father grew up in poor in resources and migrated to Australia for a better life. He remembers the lack of food in southern Italy after the war and as a result, the man eats everything put in front of him. There is not much, if not anything, that he doesn't eat. So Matthew was not communicating a severe lack of food in his statement when he was hungry for a biscuit or a piece of cake. But he was communicating a strong desire for a biscuit or that piece of cake. What he wanted was not a matter of satisfy, satisfying a feeling of discomfort and weakness, but he desired something. And he knew that he might not receive it if he asked for it in the usual way. By using the word hungry, it made his desire for a biscuit or that cake sound more urgent and more important and would therefore be more likely to get a yes from his mother because everyone knows that it's mum's job to feed you when you're hungry. Even in his limited thinking, Matthew understood that if you are hungry for something, only that something could satisfy that desire. Nothing else would do the trick. If you're hungry for a biscuit, then only a biscuit could satisfy the strong desire for a biscuit. And if you are hungry for cake, only cake could satisfy the hunger and that desire for the cake. So tonight, I want, to ask, I want us to ask ourselves the question. Don't ask the person sitting next to you or in front of you or behind you. But I want you to ask yourself, what am I hungry for? Sister Sheila, if you could please pray for the word.
case you missed it tonight, I'm not talking about physical hunger that can be satisfied with physical food. Tonight we speak of the spiritual man, our innermost being. Our heart, as Brother Gavin pointed out this morning, is our innermost being where our desires come from. I want us to evaluate ourselves as individuals as we look into the mirror of the Word of God and discern what it is that we strongly desire in this life. Is it physical things to make our life comfortable? Or do we seek after spiritual things? What is it that I as an individual seek after? What do I put effort into achieving or obtaining above all else in this life? What is it that is most important to me? What am I hungry for? Matthew 5 and 6 tells us, Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. The definition of thirst is very similar to that of hunger. According to the Oxford Dictionary, thirst is a feeling or needing of wanting to drink something. It's a lack of liquid needed to sustain life. And it's a strong desire for something. Both the words hunger and thirst have similarities in their definition to have a strong desire for something. Jesus called those who strongly desire righteousness blessed and promised them that they would be filled. Righteousness. The Vines Expository Dictionary of the New Testament describes righteousness as the character or quality of being right or just. The word righteousness is used to represent an attribute of God and means essentially the same as his faithfulness or truthfulness. Webster's Dictionary tells us that righteousness is the perfection or holiness of his nature, exact resitude or morality, faithfulness. If we strongly desire righteousness that we are seeking after, asking for and pursuing, what we're seeking after, asking for and pursuing is God's attributes, God's character. These are the things that we can only receive spiritually. Yes, they have physical effects in that our attributes and character begin to reflect Jesus. And we, we want to be like him. And if this is truly our desire, we shall be filled. Because this is what he wants for us as well. But he will not only satisfy our desire or our hunger, our thirst, as one would, would satisfy a hungry person with food or a thirsty person with a drink. He will saturate us. The word filled in the Strong Dictionary gives the definition to gorge, supply in abundance. And he has promised that he will supply in abundance, he will saturate us, and he will gorge us with his righteousness if we strongly desire it. To paraphrase in the Katerina Butcher translation, if we strongly desire the character and attributes of God, we are blessed as he will satisfy our hunger and thirst with, a, with an abundant supply he will gorge us till we overflow. What am I hungry for? If we stop and look at this scripture a little closer, we can come to the conclusion that there are other things that we can hunger and thirst after. In fact, Jesus even touches on these things leading up to his instruction to seek the kingdom of God first. We have established that hunger and thirst after righteousness is to strongly desire the attributes and character of God. We have established that Jesus regards those that hunger and thirst after righteousness blessed and that he will satisfy their desire with more than they can handle. But what if we hunger and thirst 
for other things, for things that do not come under the banner of righteousness, that do not fall into the category of God's character and attributes. What then? Following the pattern of Matthew 5 and 6, Cursed are they that hunger and thirst for things that, not, that are not attributed to God, for they shall be empty and suffer from leanness and dissatisfaction. If we are not hungry for spiritual things, we are chasing after physical things. And although our life may be full of stuff, our souls will suffer from leanness and dissatisfaction. What am I hungry for? Jesus explains that when we either chase spiritual things or physical things, we can either hunger after the things of God or the things that will make this life more comfortable. Matthew 6 verses 19 to 33, we'll read them a little at a time. Matthew 6 verse 19. Lay not up yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Verse 21 says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Those that strongly desire and set their minds upon the things of God, sorry, those that strongly desire and set their minds upon the things, upon things, lay up treasures on earth. They pour their heart and soul into realizing their desire. When we think of treasure, we think of wealth, but it's more than that. It could be a collection of art, cars, houses. It could be education. It could be, a fam- it could be family or a person. It could be career or a number of other things. A treasure just means it's important to the person who it belongs to. One man's tre- trash is another man's treasure. It is anything that is important to them or that person in this physical life. They may be rewarded with treasures that they desire, but their souls will be cursed with emptiness, leanness and dissatisfaction. So many of us know people who have everything, or they seem to know everything, they seem to have everything and yet their lives are empty. But they have everything. They pour so much into laying up physical treasures that they neglect their soul. Everything physical can be corrupted. Here on earth, moth and rust corrupt. There's also the fear of thieves, not only those that break in and steal, but those who undermine, undercut, and take more than their fair share. Full barns are not an indication of fulfillment and are only ever temporal. And if your heart is fixed on treasures on this earth, it hungers and thirsts for things that are not attributed to God. Ask yourself, what am I hungry for? Verse 22 says, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thy eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? A single eye speaks of focus and singleness of purpose. It is a clear vision that is not clouded or confused. When we need to walk in a straight line from point A to point B, we walk with our attention on point B. We need to look at where we're going or we will go where we are looking. We cannot afford to look around at what others are doing 
We need our eye to stay single. Our physical eyes direct our body. Our purpose and desires direct our soul. If we are purposed and strongly desire the things of God, our whole body shall be full of light as we direct our souls towards God. But if our eye be evil, the evil eye is much like a diseased eye with blurred vision that leads to blindness and confusion and ultimately great darkness. James 3 and 16 tells us, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and evil work. The evil eye was a phrase used among the ancient Jews to signify an envious, covetous person or personality. This person is one that is looking at what others have and what others are doing and desiring all those things for themselves. This person rejoices when things go wrong for others and is never happy when others are happy and prosper. They are never satisfied, never filled, always needing more, empty, dissatisfied and cursed with great darkness. Ask yourself the question, what are you hungry for? Verse 24 tells us, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon here is the Syriac word given to the idol worship as the God of riches. It is the same meaning as the Greek uh, as in the, in the Greek for the idol Plutus. The Jews use the word to imply wealth. Jesus is very clear that we cannot serve wealth and God. It's either one or the other. We cannot seek after earthly treasure and seek God with the same intensity. You cannot divide your hunger and thirst between God and wealth. We either serve God or we serve wealth. We cannot serve two masters. We either hold to one or to the other. Who will you be a servant to? Who are your desires? Your desires can only be wrapped up in one. Ask yourself, what am I hungry for? Verse 25 to 32. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or withal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth ye have need of these things. Those that have become servants of God and have been laying their treasures in heaven, those that hunger and thirst for God's attributes and character, have set their focus on the things above and their body is full of light. They have no need to be anxious for this life. Our life is more than food and clothing. 
There is more to life than our physical bodies. God knows we need jobs. He knows we need food. He knows we need clothing. And he knows how to provide for his people. He looks after the birds. And yet he says, we are worth more than the birds. All the care in the world that we take to look after our bodies will not prolong our life. He has appointed our time on this earth. The lilies of the field are clothed by him and with more splendor than Solomon in his finest. So if God can take care of things like wildflowers, which today are in the field and tomorrow they're used for fuel and cast into an oven, how much more will he provide for us? Things, wealth, food and clothing are what the Gentiles seek after. The Gentiles here is referring to the heathen, those that know not God. They seek riches, they seek food and raiment, they worry and fret about their provisions, where they will live, what they will eat, what they will wear. They have nothing more to live than for that which is physical and that which they see with their physical eye. Obtaining physically but not spiritually. Fed physically but suffer from depravity spiritually. Surrounded by shiny things yet they sit in darkness. Verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The kingdom of God pertains to the things of God, his word, his principles, his righteousness we've already established is his character and attributes. To seek first is to give priority to these things, to strongly desire and pursue them above all other objectives in life. We can be like the heathen that give priority to the things that have of no eternal value. We can hunger and thirst and seek after riches that will, turn, that will in turn provide food and clothing and, and security in this life, but leave us cursed and empty. Or we can seek the kingdom of God and lay up treasures in heaven. We can hunger and thirst for righteousness and be blessed and filled. Ask yourself, what am I hungry for? To give priority to the kingdom of God and his righteousness, one needs a strong desire, a hunger and thirst for those things to be his motivation. We must give priority to that which promotes the kingdom of God and kingdom living and, and the pursuit of God's character and attributes. Where do we find these things? We find them in the word of God. We find them in the preached word at church, through, pe- through prayer and the working of the Holy Ghost in our lives, living in submission and obedience to his word and to our pastor who, whom he has chosen to lead us. We find them through prayer and fasting and through fellowship with the brethren. Ask yourself, what am I hungry for? The things of God, his kingdom and his righteousness must be deliberately pursued and are not found on impulse or by accident. We read Hebrews 11 and it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. To pursue God and his kingdom and his righteousness, one must first have faith. For without faith it is impossible to please him. James 2.26 reads, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works 
is dead. The next part of Hebrews 11 and 6 reads, For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. We must come to God as a worshiper through prayer, humbling ourselves before him in submission and obedience to his word, exalting him above all things, believing that he not only exists somewhere out there, but that he is the self-existing one, that he is Jehovah, the source of all being. He who sees and knows all things. When we worship, we act on our faith, believing that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If we seek after him, he will reward us, for we shall find him. Diligence is careful, persistent work or effort. We must be thorough and be stubborn in our effort to seek him. If we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, we must put spiritual disciplines in place. We must, to, we must determine to do what is right, no matter how difficult it might be. Our flesh will fight against us. But if our eye is single and we are determined to keep our eyes on Jesus and we are focused on him, the things of this world will become strangely dim and our carnal desires will fade in the light of his glory and grace. What am I hungry for? Anyone, anyone trying to put spiritual disciplines in their life will find it difficult. But Jesus promised that our hunger and thirst would be abundantly supplied and satisfied. He promised to take care of the things we need in this life if we seek after him above everything else. He promised to reward them that diligently seek him. And the reward is God himself. Don't let your hunger for God be replaced by other things. Do not let the light of your eye be darkness. Understand that our adversary is at work and he wants you to give in to your flesh and not strive for the kingdom of God. He wants us to seek after the things that the Gentiles seek. He wants us to be cursed and empty and dissatisfied and lost. What am I hungry for? When hunger and thirst after righteousness, when we hunger and thirst after righteousness and seek after the kingdom of God, the house of God becomes a priority and not an inconvenience. We desire to sit and feast at our Father's table as the bread is broken and the word goes forth. And our cups are filled with his spirit as his spirit ministers to us. When we hunger and thirst after God's character and attributes and seek his kingdom, we desire to be with the people of like precious faith, knowing that when we gather together, whether for prayer, for fellowship, for fundraising, for whatever, we are edified, we are built up, we are made stronger, and we fortify the kingdom of God. But if we are feasting at another table... If our hunger and thirst is directed at things that do not have anything to do with righteousness, the things of the kingdom of God become difficult and disinteresting. Be warned. Ask yourself, what am I hungry for? So what happens if we ask ourselves this question and the answer turns out to be contrary to righteousness? What if I, what if I ask myself the question and the answer and the answer is that my focus is not what God wants it to be. What then? Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. 
Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that seeketh, receiveth. Sorry, everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. All you have to do is ask. You can ask for hunger and thirst for righteousness. You can ask for a love for truth. You can ask for him to redirect your priorities. And the awesome thing about this kind of prayer is that it's guaranteed to be answered with a yes. Because when we ask for more of him, we do not ask amiss. This is his desire for us. He wants us to want more more of him. He wants us to desire him more than anything in this life. This is his desire for us that we would worship unhindered, full of love and adoration for him. He wants us to be greedy for him. Not to be content with one touch and one experience. No, he wants us to come seeking for him every day, multiple times in a day. He wants us to come looking for him. He wants our heart to pant for him as the deer pants after the water brook. He wants us to want him, to be hungry and thirsty for him. He wants us to desire to be like him. It's his will that we should be renewed in our mind and that we should put on the mind of Christ and be transformed. He wants his children to look like him. We just don't ask. We seek. We determine. We look for him in prayer. Be determined to read his word and seek him there. Be determined to come to his house and seek him there. And he will be found. He will not be hidden from those that seek him diligently. Seek him in worship. Live out your faith. Seek him in everyday things. He is not far from anyone that is actively seeking him. Knock and keep knocking. Jesus said, I am the door. And as long as you are knocking on him, it shall be open unto you. Sometimes when you knock on a door, we just don't hit the door once. Usually it's three times or so. And then we wait. And then we hit the door again. Until the person we know is inside hears us knocking and comes to the door. Persist. Persevere. Continue and endure. Don't give up. The door will open. He has promised. If we are knocking on him, seeking him, asking for more of him, how can he not answer? It is his desire that we be aligned with his will for our lives. Sister Arlene, if you would come. Matthew 7 and 11 talks about how an earthly father who is evil in comparison to our Heavenly Father, knows how to give good gifts to his children. How much more will our Heavenly Father give good gifts to those that ask of him? He cannot refuse you if you ask for his righteousness. He cannot refuse you if you ask for a love for his truth. He cannot refuse you if you ask him to help you prioritize your life and put him first. Why? Because he has promised to fill those that hunger and thirst. He has promised that everything we need will be added to us and that we will go, that we will not go without as long as we seek him first. 
He has promised that he's the rewarder of those that seek him diligently. And he will reward them with more of him. And he's promised to answer those that ask for him and to be found of those that seek him and to open the doors for those that are knocking at him. More of Jesus is a prayer he cannot refuse. What are we hungry for? We will seek that which we hunger. You will ask or we will ask for that which we are hungry for. We will knock and we will persist for that which we strongly desire. The reward, the reward is not only for this life but in eternity. We shall be full, abundantly provided for. We shall have treasures incorruptible and surrounded by light and you will see how he rewards those that diligently seek him. What are we hungry for? Our hunger and thirst for God should be continual. It should be something that motivates us daily to draw nigh to him. It is what keeps us focused on his promises. Tonight, if you would stand, this altar is open. It is open for those that are hungry and thirsty for God, hungry and thirsty for his righteousness. It is open for those who wish to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness. It is open for those who have their priorities in order. And it is open for those whose priorities need reordering. This altar is open. It is open for those who just want more of God. And for those who want to want more of God. Let our faith please him this evening. Present ourselves before him in worship, believing that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him.